Welcome back to our continued studies in 1 Peter. Listen now to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and an humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Two reminders as we continue our studies. Historical context. God is giving instruction through Peter to suffering Christians in Asia Minor, not only for their benefit, but for the benefit of those that they might be able to influence. Peter has been dealing with right conduct in various earthly relationships, Christian to government, servant to master, husband and wife. Now today, one fundamental component of good behavior is, in all our relationships, not returning evil for evil. This, in verse 9, is about how we should not respond to evil. The right response to God, to people, and to evil is summarized in verse 8, and that's where we'll continue. All of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and an humble mind. Peter begins this section with what is positively good inside us, and that's attitude. This goes to the kind of mind, attitude, and demeanor we should have toward each other, based on our relationship with God. Everything starts with attitude, unity, brotherly love, a tender heart, humble mind. These are attitudes that become actions, and they unite us and contribute to our refusal to engage in revenge, returning evil for evil. Uh, it might help to consider the opposites, division, no sympathy, no compassion, hatred, arrogance. Well, God isn't pleased, and relationships are destroyed when these negative qualities are present in us and when the positive qualities in verse 8 are absent. So let me read it like this. All of us need to have unity of mind, sympathy for each other, brotherly love, a tender heart, and an humble mind. All good behavior, all obedience to God, all treatment of others must be associated with and begins with 
these good attitudes in verse 8. And I'll say what I always say. If I love God and obey him faithfully, and you love God and you obey him faithfully, we are united. We're members of the same family, one body. We are people of sympathy and brotherly love with a tender heart and humble mind. And this set of godly attitudes keeps us from returning or repaying evil for evil. So that takes us to verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. This brings up something we studied before, but takes us a step deeper. You remember back in chapter 2, we studied the example of Christ. Though he was reviled, threatened, and killed, he committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. In fact, while being reviled, he did not revile in return. In his meek endurance of suffering, he writes the model for us to read and imitate. Part of Jesus' example is he shows us how to continue to act righteously while we are recipients of unrighteous treatment. Here in 1 Peter 3 and verse 9, we are not to return evil for evil or insult for insult. But then Peter takes us a step deeper when he says, but giving a blessing, but on the contrary, bless. You see, it's one thing to refrain from personal retaliation, but it's another thing to not only refrain from personal retaliation, but to do the opposite. On the contrary, bless. Now, get this picture. You were mistreated. You were punished or harmed without cause. As a Christian, not only are you commanded not to retaliate, but rather giving a blessing instead. So you do not punish them back. You bless them back. And when you do that, you're following not only what Jesus did, but what he said in Matthew 5, 44 and 45. Pray for those who persecute you. You know what that's called? It's the law of Christ. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. We should want for others what we have received from God. We should want for others what we have received from God. As Christians, we are recipients of God's goodwill and grace. We should want that for others. Now, now this has an evangelistic implication. Disciples make disciples. And part of that is this refusal to exact revenge, but rather bless people with our good influence, our good works, and pray for them. So the attitudes written in verse 8 ought to be written in our hearts.
1 Peter 3, 10 through 12. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, in many Bibles, this passage we've just read, I don't know that you can see that very well, it is set off indented or italicized. And generally what that means is the writer is giving us a quotation from another source. And in this case, the source is Psalm 38. So you may need to pause the video here. I want you to open to the 30, not 38, Psalm 34. I want you to open to Psalm 34, and I'm going to speak first to that context in the 34th Psalm, quoted by Peter here. A summary of that will help us. From the life of David, we have the 34th Psalm. There, there was a time when David was afraid of the troubles and threats in his life. He was anxious about his personal survival, yet fully persuaded that the eyes of the Lord were on him and that the Lord was listening to his prayers. Here is a brief summary of what David wrote in the 34th Psalm. In the opening verses of Psalm 34, David praises God. He speaks of the protective care of God over his people. David speaks eloquently of how good God is saying things like, those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And then David deals very specifically with how we ought to respond to God. Listen to verses 11 through 14, the 34th Psalm, verses 11 through 14. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Whatever afflictions or troubles seem to consume me in my earthly existence temporarily, this is what I need to be about. This is what I need to keep doing, loving life, seeing what is good from God, controlling my tongue, departing from evil, and seeking peace. And why does this work? Just keep reading. 15 to 18. 15 to 18. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. 
The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. This is all about who God is and his favorable response to those who have a contrite spirit. David concludes with poetic words reflecting God's redemptive care for his people. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Even, I think even without the detailed history of David's life at this time, his circumstance in the 34th Psalm is very clear. The theme of that text is overwhelming in its clarity. Though afflicted and troubled by men, though his earthly circumstance was altogether discouraging, his heart was directed to his God. His immediate existence on earth was temporarily lonely. He lived with fear. The night was dark. The path was hard. But he still knew God was with him. And he could say with confidence, none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. So today we can read and study these writers in the book of Psalms and and Peter in 1 Peter, and have great personal advantage if we are centered in God. Now, bring all that in Psalm 34 over into 1 Peter 3, and you'll see it right there in verses 10 through 12. And there's good reason to believe, of course, that Peter is quoting David. I want to point out Peter was writing to people with an experience in life similar to David. David was pursued. He was a victim of Saul's rage. David was persecuted. Uh, there is some reason to believe David wrote Psalm 34 about his experience when he was so desperate he pretended madness before Abimelech. You can read about that in 1 Samuel 21. So, at any rate, David was being persecuted. He was taking fire from his enemies. He, he feared his own survival at times, but he maintained his basic trust in God. And we know the Christians Peter wrote to were living with persecution, victims of a fiery trial, tested by fierce opposition. One thing I learn is, these are the things I need to dwell on when I'm going through difficulty here on earth, whether it be internal or external, whatever the difficulty is. When I'm under pressure, when I am a victim, when I'm weighed down by anxiety, when it seems like the world is against me, these are the things I need to concentrate on, loving life and seeing good days from God, controlling my tongue, turning away from evil, seeking peace. To avoid disabling depression, to keep myself faithful, to keep my attitude where it ought to be 
These are things I need to focus on. This becomes my challenge when I'm suffering. Here in 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12, referring back to the 34th Psalm. Now, let's go over some of this just briefly. Loving life and seeing good days. Lots of people say they love their life, but their life may be empty of God's will and blessings. So this is loving life because your life is centered in God. There are very specific things that keep your life centered in God. Refraining your tongue from evil. Speaking lies, insults, slander, hurtful whisperings. That'll take me away from God. My lips cannot be used for deceit or guile. I must turn away from evil. That means when I see evil, I turn away. I go the other way. I refuse to participate in it. I must do good. I must be committed to doing good as God defines doing good. If I want to love life and see good days, I need to stand for the truth against error. I need to treat people right, worship God in spirit and in truth, assuming full responsibility for my family, doing good in every way God says. Seek peace and pursue it. If you want this, loving life, seeing good days, being centered in God, refrain your tongue from evil, turn yourself away from all evil, do good and seek peace, knowing that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers, but also knowing this, please, knowing this, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Quick takeaways. If I don't have the attitudes in verse 8, I'll not be able to effectively do what the rest of the paragraph teaches. Start at verse 8. Embrace those attitudes. Take that challenge, and then you can effectively engage in everything else in this passage. Know that vengeance belongs to the Lord. <clears throat> He's given that assignment of punishing evildoers to government. We studied that back in chapter 2, verse 14. It is also referred to in Romans 13. Our task is to bless, to pray for our enemies. And let me say also a study of the Old Testament story of David, accompanied by the Psalms, can be very important to us in terms of attitude and action and application. Thank you for being with us in this study.